Come on, can you look at your neighbor and say you're glad to see him? Uh, say it like you mean it with a smile, okay? Hey, listen, uh, if this is your first time here, um, I want to say welcome. If it's your first time here, find somebody that looks like they've been here for a little while and say, hey, it's my first time here. What do I need to do after service, okay? So uh, take care of that for me, if you will. Listen, I, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine uh, th- earlier this week, and, and he was telling me a story about, about he had went to a, um, a meeting several years ago in Shreveport. And uh, he was excited because they had Brother David Wilkerson was going to be preaching at the service, you know. Well, Brother, Brother Wilkerson at the time lived in Lindale, Texas. So there's another man that lived in Lindale, Texas as well, uh, whose name was uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Have you all ever heard of Brother Ravenhill? So, so Leonard Ravenhill, so he, you know, David Wilkerson shows up at the meeting. Before he gets up to speak, he stands up there, he says, and there's, I mean, 2,000 pastors in this. It's a pastor's meeting, right? Everybody comes to hear what, what Brother Wilkerson's going to say. And David Wilkerson stands up. He says, before I preach, he said, I want to give the esteem honor to welcome my good friend and, and pastor and mentor, Brother Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill. And, of course, you know, this is the retelling of the story. You know, Brother Leonard, by this time, is pretty old. He, he walks up there to the podium he looks out into the crowd. He says, revival tarries in the United States. And there's one reason. And I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and he puts the microphone down and he walks off. I can only imagine the thought that David Wilkerson had when he was sitting in the chair like, how in the world am I going to preach now? <laughs> That's a hard act to follow. That is nothing compared to trying to come up and preach after a move of the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever you're trying to come after the Holy Spirit, what He's doing and speaking, listen, what I got to say is meaningless. But I'm believing that God's going to speak to me and through me in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace on our lives. Lord, I pray that even today, Lord, you can begin to speak to us, Lord, that you can begin to speak through us. Lord God, that you use these words that I'm going to say, these simple words, Lord, to be powerful, Lord God, and mighty, Lord God, for the pulling down of strongholds, Lord. This is your will in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here this morning, if you will, I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 8. I want to get into right into the Word of God. I've got something that I know is a word from the Lord that I want to share. John chapter 8, verse 36. If you need a Bible and you don't have one, there's one there on the, in the chair back in front of you. If not, we'll put all these verses up on the screen and, uh, and you can follow along there. Amen? Come on, is God good? All right. Hey, listen. Yeah, I, I remember, y'all, y'all remember when y'all go to school, right? Have, how many of y'all, y'all been to school and the, the teacher would always say something like, you know, if you ask good questions, right, you give me some feedback, the class will be shorter. Y'all, a couple of students. Anybody ever heard that? Am I the only one? Come on, raise your hand if you've heard that before. Yeah, most of us. Listen, give me some feedback, okay, today. I, I can't guarantee a shorter class, though. Amen. I, but but it, it'll make me preach better at least. Amen. Everybody in John chapter 8, verse 36. 
This is the title of my message today is free indeed. I just want to read this simple verse of scripture. It says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Can we say that together? Say, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Come on, are you free this morning? Well, that's, that's the question I want to begin to ask. Are you free this morning? If the Son has made you free, you shall be free indeed. I was, I was reading a book, and I came across an article within this book that is so perfectly in tune to what I want to share with you today. How many of you ever heard in Texas there's a celebration they have every June called Juneteenth? Everybody, anybody ever heard of that? A couple of us. Juneteenth is a, is a celebration of something that took place in 1865, an incredible story of, the, of redemption. But I want to share a little bit about that today, just because I think it ties into the message. On that day, June 19th, 1865, an army of 2,000 soldiers marches into Texas with a proclamation to declare. They came in there to say that all the slaves in Texas are free today. Right now, no more is no longer legal to have slavery in the state of Texas. I mean, that was a day of celebration. In that moment, 250,000 slaves became free men and women. The, the truth, though, is, what's interesting is, is those, 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 those slaves, those 250,000 slaves, they had actually been free for almost a year and a half and didn't even know it. You see, because that took place on June 19, 1865, the Emancipation Proclamation made by Abraham Lincoln was actually delivered on September 22, 1862. But in that day, that's 1862 to 1865, do the math, two, two years or so, you know, plus or minus. In that day, news traveled a little slowly because they didn't have Instagram and Facebook and CNN and Fox. They didn't have telephones and they, they didn't have all those things. And besides, when you have news like that, you don't want to just send an IM. You don't want to just send a text message. General Granger, who was the, 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 the man, the, the general who was in charge of this, this, this battalion or whatever it was of soldiers, 2,000, they came in there to deliver the news. They said, Y'all are free. You no longer have to live in bondage anymore. You see, just because something's declared in the past doesn't mean people are living in it today. You see, even though they were legally free, they weren't really free until someone came and had to enforce that for them. Someone had to come and deliver the news. You see, the general just didn't go by himself. He took some soldiers with him. See, I believe that even today there are countless slaves that don't even know that they're free. They're waiting on someone to carry them the news. This world is free, uh, is, is filled with people who are enslaved to sin. John 8.34 says, And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. There are countless slaves in this world today that are waiting for someone to go and declare the news that they are free in Jesus' name. Well, God is raising up an army of Christians. Listen, there's not a single person in here today that is born again, set free, just on your own. You didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to just pick up my Bible, read it, and get saved. Somebody had to go out of their way to tell you. 
but yet we have a church that feels like, oh, we're free. We don't need to go tell anybody. See, I believe when we carry the message of the gospel, that we carry it with authority. General, General Granger carried that, that authority of the federal government. He carried the, the, the authority of 2,000 soldiers with him to enforce that law, to set them free. I believe that even now, Jesus, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Amen. I believe that God is calling the church to rise up in this present day. God is calling the church to stand up in this present day. God is calling the church to its knees in this present day. While we were in prayer Thursday night, we just David was playing and, and I was there on the floor just laying prostrate before the Lord. And, and as I was getting up to come and, and do my typical address before the service started, God kind of like sat on my shoulders. I, I can't explain it, but there on the floor, I went to get up and it was like had no strength to get up. So I said, okay, I'll just be patient, Lord. I'll just sit here for whatever that means. All right, I mean, you know. So I, I lay there, I lay there, and God begins to speak to me. He begins to show me some things that I needed to know, some things that I needed to deliver to the church. Right now, we live in, in perilous times. We live in a time where God is calling the church to its greater purpose in this world. In that moment, God took me to Joel 3, 9. And I wanna, this is what I want to talk about tonight. Or today. See, when I was there at the night, I was kept saying in the morning. And now that I'm here in the morning, I'm going to keep saying at night. It's okay. We'll get back on track eventually. It's night somewhere, okay? He says this, proclaim this among the nations. Joel 3, 9. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. God is calling out to his church to rise up. There's more at stake than what we see today. Church, I need you to get this this morning. There's more at stake than simply just building a big church and a big congregation and making friends and going to small groups and social nights. There is so much more at stake than what you simply see with your own eyes. It, it's not just about winning the battle of who's going to have the biggest church. It's not just going to be about winning the battle of who's going to have the best theology. Come on, there are souls at stake here. The church needs to rise up. You see, General Granger, he didn't just say, oh, I'll go tell them people in Texas. And, you know, if they don't want to listen to me, then that's okay. They can do what they want. No, he took a, a battalion of 2,000 soldiers. If they didn't listen to him, he was going to take care of business. Come on, how many of you know when, who, when the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed? I don't feel like you're really getting this this morning. Come on, when the sun has set you free, don't you realize that Jesus, he came to this earth, died on a cross, raised from a, the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven for our sins, that we can be saved, that we can have eternal purpose with him in heaven. Man, that is freedom. Man, I am no longer bound by, the, by, by addiction. I'm no longer bound by depression. I'm no longer bound by what people think about me. I know who I am because I am in Christ. 
That is true freedom. God began to speak to me. He began to show me some things while I was there on the floor. He said, Joe, right here, I have you in this posture, face down for a reason. I want you to begin to speak into the foundations of this church. He began to tell, he said, decree and declare to the foundations of this church that are represented by the physical foundation of this building to wake up, to come alive, to begin to shake, to begin to rumble, that people that can see the church will no longer wonder where is their God. But they will know that the God that created the heavens and the earth dwells within us. I, I I love healing, and I love that God came to heal you. He did, I promise you. But he came that you are a divine messenger of his grace and mercy in this world. And if you just come here to sit in a pew and do nothing, you are missing the point of your salvation. God is saying in Joel 3, 9, I believe that God says, wake up, men of war. Draw near. I have something to say to you. This week in the Jamkaran Mosque, many of you have heard about what's taking place in Iran. And, and, and there was what happened with this blowing up of 176 souls that were, that were murdered senselessly. I mean, just total, they, somebody needs to go take all of their missiles away, all their guns. They, they're not responsible enough to handle missiles, apparently. But I believe that what's taking place is so much more powerful than just simply a physical war, a physical battle. I believe what's taking place is spiritual. There in the Jamkaran Mosque, they hoisted the red flag above the mosque. In in the history of the Shia Muslim tradition, this flag has never been raised since the 800s when this mosque was established. You see, this represents something that's far greater than even we understand. That red flag is the red flag of revenge. It's a declaration to the world that war is coming. Friends, they take it seriously. I don't believe that it's a threat to our way of living. I don't believe that we should even be considered or concerned. I believe that the threats of the devil are meaningless when we are in Christ. But we need to be in Christ. Come on, that's something to get excited about. Man, I'm saved. I'm set free. Listen, you better be saved and set free. Because when the enemy comes, he knows those who are amongst Christ and who are not. When you call yourself a Christian and still live in the world, let me tell you, you're outside of the gates. God has no place to protect you there, not because he don't want to, because you chose to not be there within him. You see, it's a sobering reminder that things are, that there's a greater purpose to the church. There's a true origin to the church. The price that has been paid for each one of us to live and worship freely is greater than just senseless arguments about where we're going to eat lunch on Sunday or about where some corporation spends its money or about what kind of worship music I like to listen to. This is ridiculous. Well, there is a real enemy that as long as he can keep you distracted with those senseless, the nonsense of of the world, let me tell you, he's going to come in and creep in and destroy. John 10.10 says this, it says the enemy comes, the thief comes not, but to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy has a purpose for your life and it is to destroy it, to kill you, and and to steal everything that you have. He's not worried about your money. He's not worried about your parking spot at Walmart. He's worried about your soul. 
See, if he can distract you with those meaningless material things, he can come in and steal the very treasure that's within you, your salvation in Jesus Christ. I know many people think that religion is, and what we believe, or our faith, or our prayers, they don't mean anything. They're just kind of barbaric. But I want you to know something today, that our ideas, our faith has severe consequences throughout the world. That a life without faith, a life without knowledge of Jesus Christ, is a life that's a danger to the, to the world. It's a loaded nuclear weapon to the world. Our actions have consequences. I need you to know there's a real enemy. And that enemy doesn't bear our resemblance. The enemy is the devil in his schemes. In fact, in, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of, weaknesses, of, of wick, wickedness in the heavenly places. The Lord is calling us to prepare for war. Like it or not, we're caught in the middle of a spiritual battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle. When you can kill all the people you want, it doesn't take care of the problem. In fact, you're just helping exacerbate the problem. You're helping the enemy win his battles. It's not a religious war. I don't believe it's a religion war. I mean, there's a huge divide that's taking place within the United Methodist Church over homosexual marriage and 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 ordaining homosexual priests and things to that nature. This isn't the war that we're fighting. Truth is truth, and truth is in the Word of God. This isn't something that's up for debate. It's either you're in the way, in, that narrow is the way, broad is the way that leads to death, and narrow is the way that leads into life. It's not a religious war. It's not a national war. It's not a world war. It's not a political battle. I'm going to say a few political things, I guess. I don't know. I don't really believe, see it as political. I see it as, as light and darkness. You know, it's, abortion is not a political issue. It's not a political thing. Come on, it's a, it's a sin issue. It's a, it's a principalities issue. Homosexual marriage is not a, it's not a political issue. Come on, it's a kingdom issue. Border protection, it's not a political issue. Socialism is not a political issue. Don't you know that communism is synonymous with socialism? It's been tried. If you want to live, see what social government looks like. Go to China. Go to North Korea. Even now, today in China, listen, the Chinese government is putting additional restrictions on the church. That that there's a whole underground church. They're imprisoning people. In fact, in China, I, I kind of think it's a good thing for the church there. You see, because you can't even pastor a church there in China unless you've been put in jail for having shared your faith. You see, because they don't want any weak Christians leading their churches. I've not been in the jail for my faith. See, I wouldn't even qualify for ministry there. The idea that, see, in in socialism, there's this idea that government can be trusted to care for the best interest of the people. But the truth is that idea fails over and over and over again. Not just once, but always. The battle that we're in is not a battle that can be won in a voting booth. Although that's part of it. It's not a battle that can be won with armies. Although that's that's part of it. 
See, it's a battle that's far greater. It's a battle of the soul. It's a battle of our hearts. It's a battle of our minds. In fact, in several years ago in the state of Texas, Texas is just a, such a, man, they, they stir some stuff up in Texas, apparently. I lived there for a little while. Maybe that's where I got it. But we look at even the issue of abortion and homosexuality. Where does all this stuff come from? You see, it didn't just wake up one day and people said, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's make abortion legal. Let's make homosexual marriage legal. Let's make all these things legal. It didn't just happen one day. You see, the enemy, is he's, he's wily. He's scheming. He's always trying to get something by us. So they, so they had this issue back in Texas, back in the, I think it was the 50s. And there was this, this man who lived next door to a, a homosexual couple, and, and he didn't really like that, that that much. And at that time, that was against the law. So he called the cops and said someone was breaking into their house. So the cops go over to their neighbor's house. They break in. They find them in the act. And, of course, they arrest them. And that, that's what created this whole issue of what's called the right to privacy. And from that right to privacy, that we get the idea that, well, a woman can do with her body whatever she wants. A person can do in their home whatever they want, as long as it's not affecting other people. The problem with that is, is that none of us live in a vacuum. You see, we, we are created for fellowship. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think has effects on others, whether you like it or not. You see, the problem with that idea is that people will allow anything into their homes except for Jesus, except for prayer, except for worship, except for sanctification, except for holiness, except for hope, except for truth, except for righteousness. They'll let anything into their homes. The same people who are sitting there trying to get the, the prayer back into school, stop fighting that battle. Get prayer back into the homes, and then you'll get prayer back into the school. It's just going to happen, I promise you. It's time to prepare for war. It's time for the men of God and the women of God to stand up for truth and for righteousness. It's time to get our hearts ready to do the work and the will of the Lord. That there are countless, right now in, in, in the world, there's estimated, I think, 3 billion Christians, give or take. But there's 7 billion people. That's the problem. That's 4 billion people that are lost right now. It's time for the church to rise up like General Granger to begin to put on that whole armor of God and step into their divine calling and purpose, to be an ambassador for Christ, to stand up and do the things that God's called us to do. The enemy just walks into our homes and right up underneath our noses, even with our own permission, and steals the very blessings of God, kills our hopes destroys our families. And he doesn't come in with the, the pitchfork and the red tail. That's not the devil. Come on, he, he comes in in the form of a, of a phone and just a flash, a little, a little splash of pornography, a little splash of witchcraft here and there, a little, a, a little idea, a thought, a seed that's going to just begin to pull you away from God's true calling in your life. You see, we shouldn't be worried about letting God in our homes. That should be the place where he dwells and lives. Man, I, God spoke to me on that. I've, look, if you, I, 
Thank you all for coming to the week of prayer. I appreciate everyone who came and showed up. If you haven't committed yourself to a week-long prayer and fasting, if you want, if you struggle hearing the voice of the Lord, I want you to fast for two or three days and get on your knees and pray and ask the Lord to speak to you. You will be, and, and listen, pick up this. Holy Bible. King James Version. They pick them up. You can pick one up on Amazon, Walmart, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. It's an amazing book. It's my top 20 read this, this year. Begin to read. I love what Charles Stanley said. He said that the Bible is the only book when you read it, it begins to read you. It begins to show you things that you never saw before. It begins to change the very way you think. Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you begin to get into the word, the, the Bible begins to renew it, restore it, recalibrate the way you think. And you begin to think God thoughts instead of world thoughts. And God begins to do miraculous things in your life. It's time for the church to rise up, to kick the devil out of your homes. Man, I'm telling you right now... I, Doc, I grew up in the wrong generation. I mean, I, I wish I could have just talked and came up here and preached about the television a little bit more. But, the, but we, we allow, a, man, I, I heard this, 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 it was an advertisement. And they said, hey, look, we, we, we decided to do television advertisements, commercials, because it's a portal into every home in America. I mean, think about that. I'm not, I'm not telling you to go throw all your TVs away, but it's not the worst idea in the world. Whenever, the, whenever God begins to work and stir your life, you don't have time for television anyway, I promise you. You see, in Zechariah 4, 6, it says this. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's time for the church to rise up and take back the ground that the devil stole from them. I, I've kind of deba debated about whether to share this or not. But, okay, just, just a show of hands, no condemnations. I just said to throw away your TV. But how many of y'all watching have, have watched the Avengers Endgame movie? Okay, there's enough of you to tell, for me to tell the story. Y'all remember the part in the episode where, where there was Thor and they walk in? And, and Thor didn't look like he'd looked in the previous movie. Has anybody not seen it and doesn't want me to spoil anything? Okay. You see, Thor is the, the god of thunder, you know. He's in shape, man. He's got like abs of steel, you know, ripped chest and arms like throws hammers and catches them and stuff. Thor is the man. He's awesome. And then in this movie, he kind of loses his purpose. He loses his identity. He loses who he is. And they go looking for Thor because they need him. They need the, the god of thunder in that movie. It's a movie, okay. They say, hey. Where's Thor? So they go, they go in his house, and there's Thor. He, he's over there, he's, you know, he's, he's got his, like, he's sitting back, and he's, he's got his beer right here, he's drinking it. He's got this big pot, but if I took off my shirt, it would be exactly what Thor looked like in that movie. He's just out of shape, except for the beer part, okay, I don't drink beer. But, but he's sitting there, and he's, like, out of shape, and just playing video games. He's got all his buddies, and they're, like, all these warrior buddies, they're just sitting around playing video games, drinking beer, looking out of shape. And he like can't even do nothing. He gets out of breath. And God, when I was in prayer, God said, that's the church today. We're just a lazy bunch of slobs. We're sitting around like playing video games and talking about war. Well, it's time to quit talking about it. It's time to start preparing 
for war. God's got a calling and a purpose for his church. God doesn't have us come together just simply to listen to great songs. I love worship. But if we come here for preparation to get filled up so we can go out and empty out, come back and get filled up and go out and empty out. I believe that we need to know our enemy. I want to just take a few moments here this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You need to underline that verse of Scripture in your Bible because you need to know your enemy. You see, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That would just be too easy. When you look in the mirror, friend, you're not the enemy. When you look at those, the, the people on the other side of the street, they're not the enemy. It's principalities, it's understandings, it's beginnings. That very word means origins, ideas, thoughts. You, you look at this, this, this evil, corrupt religion. Folks, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even wearing gloves. Don't have to take them off. The Muslim religion is an evil, destructive, demonic religion on this earth. It, it, it implants ideas of total corruption and depravity. I can't believe that a woman would even consider converting into that religion that totally suppresses women, suppresses the weak, suppresses everything except for the one or two people who are in charge. But this, it's about the ideas. We dismiss ideas as meaningless. But I believe that ideas, principalities, are the very worst thing. James 1, 14 through 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. I remember whenever me and Shannon, several years ago, we, we were having like a, a little time. We wanted a puppy. And like, so we went to my friend. I, actually, I don't even think we wanted it. We didn't even want a puppy. We go to my friend's house, and he has these these bull mastiff puppies, and they are so cute. I mean, they are like so cute. We're like, oh, I mean, what could it possibly hurt, this little cute little bull mastiff puppy? So we buy the thing and bring it home. Oh, look how cute it is. You know, a year later, it knocks over the kids when it's running, you know. I mean, it's like this tall, weighs 120 pounds. It's an animal. You can't get rid of it now. It's not a puppy no more. You see, this is how the enemy begins to come in. I mean, he's not, the devil is not a puppy, okay? But he can be. He can be. He doesn't, he doesn't come in full grown. I, I read a story in a, a, a book about a man who, who when he was, when he was who, who got eaten by his pet python. A nine-foot python ate him. It was his pet. I mean, who in the world would get a nine-foot python in their house? Well, the truth is nobody. He got a little one-foot python. And he fed it. And he took care of it. And he kept it in a cage. And he would pet it. And he would play with it. And that python's just saying, oh, one of these days. I, I'm, gonna, I'm taking care of this guy because, man, he's, he's looking tasty. 
See, this is how sin comes in. The enemy doesn't come in. He comes in as an idea, as a thought, as a desire, as a notion, as a puppy, as a little pet snake, as something so innocent and so meaningless that we just let it slide right in. Next thing you know, it's full grown and devouring us, devouring our finances, devouring our homes. Principalities, ideas, powers, ruling authorities, people and, and, and governments that seek only to have control or dominion. That another way to, 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 to interpret that is entitlements. People that think that, well, because I did this or because of who I am, I get to have this. Well, I was born of this family, therefore I get to say, pick the rules. Well, I'm the pastor, so I get to say what people do. Pastors can get entitled. Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace given to me that everyone who is among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, anything that we have, any power, any influence, everything that we have comes from the Lord. Or even our very faith comes from the Lord. We are saved by grace through faith, and even that's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. All that we have is given by God's grace, by his measure to us. See, when we begin to think that our power, our influence, who we are, what we've done, our, Bi our Bible college degree buys us anything in the kingdom of heaven, you have just entered into the dark side. It's a total reliance on Jesus Christ and him crucified that will get us through each and every single day. I love it that I don't have a professional theological Bible degree because every time I get up here to preach, I have to say, Lord, you have to show me something. Holy Spirit, you need to speak to me because without you, I got nothing to say. I can barely hold a conversation with two or two more people. Lord, you have to do it. I can't. We have to be totally reliant. You see, that's our weapons against this enemy that we have. The rulers of the darkness of this age, 1 John 5, 19 says, we know that you... And we know that we are of God and, the whole, and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see, there's another, there's principalities, there's powers, there's rulers of darkness. Man, I don't want to go into a whole teaching on, on demons and darkness, but I want you to know that there are demons and there are darkness. That the demons, actually, they were created by God. They're fallen angels that were disobedient to the will of God, who fell sway to the wiles of the devil. I want you to know that if, the devil can deceive an angel. He can deceive you. Jeremiah says that the heart is wicked above all else. Just because it feels good, don't make it good. Just because it feels right, don't make it right. You need to test that against the standard of the word of God. And let me tell you, if you don't know the word, you have no armor. You're going into battle bare and naked. You have nothing that protect you against the work of the enemy. There are real demonic forces on this earth. There's a real spirit of Babylon. The spirit of self-sufficiently. I'm good enough. I can do it. Self-provision. The lust of the flesh. The eyes. Lust of the eyes. It's a, we live in a world of self-worship. Some, some of the biggest selling magazines today. I want you to think about this. People buy these magazines. Why? I don't know why. Forbes magazine, because people worship money. 
Sports Illustrated magazine because people worship people playing sports. That is the cosmopolitan because we worship beauty. The other magazine I'm not even going to mission because we worship sex. Friends, we need to recognize these deceptions of the devil. The enemy, he's not just going to come in and say, hey, give me all your money. He's going to show you a flashy car, and then he's going to take it through that. Flashy cars aren't the devil. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's going to flash something before your eyes that you're going to, that, that's, you're going to cause you to make bad decisions. That's going to draw you away from your kingdom purpose on this earth. Let me tell you, debt will keep you off of the mission field, missionary. Come on, debt will keep you out of the pulpit, pit, preacher. Come on, debt will keep you out of the children's ministry, minister. Well, you need to begin to recognize the work of the enemy. One of the greatest downfalls in, in the pulpit, in the church today, in ministers today, is sexual immorality. How, why is that? Because the enemy is deceptive. Ephesians 6.13, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You see, we need to begin to put on the whole armor of God each and every day that we can stand against the wiles of the enemy. We have a divine purpose, a divine calling that Jesus said that those who are who the sun sets free are free indeed, that God's called us to battle. He's called us to warfare. We cannot go into war without armor. You, you never see a, a soldier going into battle and you got this guy in flip-flops and shorts. They're going to shoot him first. When the enemy, he, he's going to shoot you first if you're not ready. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The time of preparation, it's a time of preparation that we need to stand against the wiles of the devil, his lies, his deceits, his hidden things that you think no one sees, God sees. Many are going to fall away because they're unprepared for the battle. The Lord is saying in this day, in Joel 3 9, God spoke to me and said this Prepare for war. Call together the men. He has something to say. So, what is the church? See, the church is, what is the church? What is our purpose? I believe that this is a place of new birth. If you're not born again, you need to be born again into the kingdom of God. That was last week. This week we're standing against the wiles of the devil. We're preparing for a war. A war against what? Our souls. It's not a war of the flesh and blood. It's a war of our souls. It's a war of ideas. It's the war of truth. It's a war of righteousness. The church is a place of birth. The church is a place of protection. Surround yourself with Christians and I promise you, you'll not fall. Listen to what they say. When they say, stop doing this, stop doing it. Don't say, don't judge me. Let, let me tell you what, I want to just interpret that verse for you today. That verse is not saying, don't judge me. It's not like I'm giving final condemnation. Thank you, Robbie. You see, judgment is saying, well, you're a sinner. Off to hell you go. Man, I know, I don't complain about people in the church. I love people in the church. I don't like people that complain about people in the church. Stop. We're on the same side. Stop. Judgment is saying, it's, it's, 
bringing condemnation. What Jesus is saying says, don't bring condemnation, but bring life and truth into that person's life. Begin to speak things so that way they don't fall into judgment. I promise you, you would rather stand before me in my judgment than stand before God in his. The church is a place of protection. It's a place of training and growth. It's a place, it's a place of exercise and maturity. It's a place of encouragement. Come on, how many of you are encouraged by the Holy Spirit here this morning? Man, if you didn't feel the Holy Ghost all over that, I don't, you, something wrong with you. That was powerful, man. I was so encouraged. It's a place of assignment. Let me tell you, first assembly. I, I love this. When I first got here seven years ago, there's not a whole lot of faces that I recognize. That doesn't bother me. Man, because we should be a sending church, a planning church. That's in the very DNA of this church. This church is a church that plants churches, that plants churches, that starts ministries, that sends out battalions, that sends out generals to declare pre, uh, peace and freedom to the captives. We can't just celebrate our freedom all the time. Sometimes we need to go set the captives free. We need to go into the jails. We need to go into the food pantries. We need to go into the homeless shelters. Well, we need to go into River Ranch. We need to go into Sugar Mill Ponds. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You see, I believe that our weapons, there's two kinds of weapons. There's offensive weapons. There's defensive weapons. Paul instructs the Ephesian church to put on the whole armor of God. Let me tell you, armor is what? Defensive. And ain't nobody ever beat nobody up with armor before. I mean, they might have, but that's kind of weird. It'd be like sumo wrestling or something. I don't know. Anyway, I am full of bad jokes, okay? Just, just give me a courtesy laugh and we'll move on. But you see, God says, you, before you start worrying about picking up the offensive weapons, you better get, begin to gird yourself with the defensive weapons. He says, because you need to put on the full armor of God. That way you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Man, I see, I mean, think about those seven sons of Sceva. They try to cast out demons, man. They get their tail whooped. If you don't know that story, go read your Bible. We need to put on the whole armor of God. It says this in Ephesians. Let me go there. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, therefore, stand. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of gospel, of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We need to have a heart to put on the armor of God. Friends, God is calling the church to prepare for war. Joel 3, 9, again, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. The mighty men. I, I sat there on the floor and I just began to, to declare into the foundations, wake up! Wake up, men of God. Wake up, women of God. Wake up, dads. Wake up, moms. Wake up. Put on the whole armor of God. We have a mission that God wants to accomplish through his church.
God's calling these men together. He's not ex excluding women, but I believe that here it's especially men. I believe that there's a great falling away of godly men in the church. Men, it's time for you to stand up for your families. It's time for you to stand up for your communities. It's time for you to stand up for your churches. This is the message. He says, prepare for war. He begins to give instructions. In Joel 3, 10, he says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am strong. Joel 3, 13 says, but put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come and go down. He's saying that, look out, the fields are white for harvest. It is time to move now. I believe that the earth is ready for a divine revival of God's presence, of God's truth in the earth. It's time for the church to begin to prepare themselves. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, he didn't come to this earth to make us feel good about ourselves. The Holy Spirit came to destroy the works of the enemy on this earth. He came to destroy the works of the enemy on this earth. I think we even have a, 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 a misconstrued idea of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I, I pray in tongues. Great. What are you doing with that? Well, I can prophesy. That's awesome. How many souls have you set free? Come on, I'm an encourager. I've healed the sick. That's fantastic. How many slaves have you released from their captivity? The Holy Spirit came into this earth to wreak havoc on, havoc on the work of the enemy. I want to have the worship team come up. I want to read a verse of scripture. It's rather lengthy, but it's good. I believe that on the day of Pentecost, I want to tie all this together. Peter stands up, having witnessed the crucifixion, having witnessed the resurrection, having witnessed Jesus ascending again on high. Jesus says to Terry, he says, wait in Jerusalem. He says, wait until you are endued with power from on high. Let me tell you, he didn't give you power so that way you could just be encouraging, awesome, smiley Christian. I mean, that's good. But that's not the purpose. You see, that's the fruits of the purpose. When you're free, you smile. Man, I, I love hearing stories of the Civil War, how, how the freed slaves, they would, they would go into the north and then they would set up railroads and underground systems in ways that they can go back and then they can set the captives free again. Man, I believe that that is the problem with the church today. You see, we need to begin to set up systems and tunnels and pathways because there's a whole world of people who are still bound in the slavery of sin and darkness. You see, the Holy Spirit came as a preparation for our wartime. We need to begin to put on the whole armor of God. We need to put on truth. Truth is found in the Word of God. We need to put on righteousness Righteousness is found in the blood of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We need to put on the gospel of peace. We need to put peace on. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we need that, the words that bring peace into every situation. I was in, we were in Kentucky and they had some people, we was at an IHOP. And we were there with some pastor friends of ours. And 
there are two ladies outside fighting. And, and me being the man of God and Pastor Dwayne being the man of God, we were like, man, I hope they don't start throwing punches and stuff, you know. Sister Cindy Daigle, she walks through those doors. And she walks amongst those women and says, ladies, can I pray for you? Instantly, tears. From shouts to tears. Why? Because she carried the gospel of peace. This is our calling. The shield of faith. I don't want to get caught up into the different pieces of armor. Just know it's all defensive. You see, we can't even enter into Bible with enter into battle without truth, without righteousness, without peace, without faith. Will you be willing to stand in faith with others? Man, cancer is a real thing, but Jesus is the name above that. I've seen people healed of cancer. Are you willing to stand in faith? Whenever someone's faith is falling and failing, are you willing to say, stand up, I'll stand with you? This is our armor. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Come on. I, I know the sword is, a, is an offensive weapon, but it's also a defensive weapon. The sword is a defensive weapon. If you don't know the Word, you have no weapon. You have no defense. When the enemy begins to call you to tell you lies, you can say, nope, sorry. Uh-uh. Uh, no, let me throw this. The Word of God. Praying always, being watchful. The sword of the Spirit. You see, I believe that God is calling us to, to wartime, to battle. On that day of Pentecost, when Peter stands there, see, Peter, having seen all this, he stands he knew the Bible. He knew he had all the armor, but you see, he didn't have the offensive weapon. Can you go? It says, but Peter, standing up in, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You see, the prophet Joel spoke things of a time that was coming. You see, in this time, he says this. He says, I'm raising up an army. It's not what he said, but that's what he's implying. You see, where before the priests would go, where before the Pharisees would go, but he's raising up an army of just everyday normal people. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Look at your neighbor and say all. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see dreams, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the Holy Spirit is our weapon against the work of the enemy. He says, from the power of the Holy Spirit comes the ability to whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
God didn't send his Holy Spirit that we might have just simple little pretty nice, neat, well-organized, well-aestheticized churches. He sent his Holy Spirit that he can build churches that become training grounds of armies that go into this earth and set at liberty those who were held captive. John 8, 36, whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Can we stand together this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. God says here to call the mighty men. This is what I want to do this morning. I believe that God is calling us to a recommitment. Not not to just being more spiritual. That's part of it. But to say, Lord, I want to be spirit-filled, spirit-used, spirit-empowered. I want to not only have the armor, Lord, but I want the offensive weapon of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there may even be some that said, Lord, I don't even have, I don't even know that I've been born again. I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, having my heart transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've put it off. I've put it aside. I've put it other places. But today, I want to make Him my Lord and Savior. I believe God's called me to a divine purpose and calling. Now is not the time for timid Christianity. You know, the the most powerful thing about the military, about the army, once you get those orders, the only thing, you can't trust the orders to accomplish the goal. Unfortunately, military generals just can't say, we want to win that territory, and it just wins. He has to send in soldiers. Jesus has conquered and gotten authority. He says, all authority is given to me on earth. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. He's, He's not talking to me only. He's talking to each of you. You may not feel ready. You may That's fine. It's about saying, Lord, I commit my heart to you, to your calling, to your purpose. You see, when Peter said that your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, there'll be prophecies. You see, all of that is a preparation for battle. All of that is a preparation for purpose. I want you to take an opportunity. We're going to just respond in prayer. If you, if you want to just ask the Holy Spirit to come into you, say, Lord, prepare me for battle. I, that I, I am, I've been fighting against these battles on my own. I need you. We have these prayer partners who are going to pray with you here this morning. If you say, I've never committed my heart to Jesus Christ as my Savior, they'll come and they'll pray with you. It says in His Word, where two or three are gathered together in my midst. They're just here to come into agreement with the Holy Spirit and you. There's your three. I believe Jesus says we have not because we ask not. Jesus, Lord Jesus, 
Jesus. This is what I want to do. If you need prayer, I just want you to come up and, and respond in prayer. Just come now. I'm going to just go around all the formalities. If you want to just make a stand, make a stand. I mean, if i got to sit here and beg you to the front. If you want to make a commitment right where you are today, I want you to lift your hands in the air. If you're willing to say today, Lord, here I am, use me. Lord, here I am, use me. Come on, could you say that? Lord, here I am, use me. Heavenly Father, I ask your grace and mercy on our lives. Lord, I ask just that you bless each and every individual that has their hands raised. I ask that you bless even each and every individual that responds to these prayer partners. Lord God, I pray that you, that you begin to bless them, Lord God. You bless them coming. You bless them going, Lord. Lord, you bless their, their prayer time. Lord, I rebuke any work of the enemy that tries to come against these words that were spoken here today. Lord God, that whenever they go home, Lord, that their minds will not be distracted again by the devil, Lord, that their minds will not be distracted by, by the image of pornography on their phones, that their minds will not be distracted, Lord, by their neighbor's bass rig or their or RV, Lord, but they will keep their hearts and minds focused on your purpose and calling for their lives. Lord, I pray that you can begin to rise up an army of God followers, Lord. Lord, as you were saying here even today, Lord, prepare for war. There are still captives that are held in the bondage of slavery. Lord God, all around this earth, Lord, just waiting for someone to go and tell them that they are set free by the Son of Jesus, Son, Jesus Christ. They are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, that their sins are forgiven by the cross of Calvary. Lord, we need messengers, warrior messengers, soldier messengers. Lord, I pray that you use us, Lord. Use us for your calling and purpose. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, if you agree with that, can you say amen?